Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Uh, apologies, by the way, I've been kind of absent of late. Uh, another kind of uh, period of uh, kind of COVID um, exhaustion has knocked me out for a few weeks. So here I am. Anyway, tonight I, I want to um, talk um, a little bit uh, about Eisenhower. Um, we're looking again at Grand Expectations, James Patterson's kind of overview history of America, 1945 to 74. Um, and Eisenhower, I think, uh, gets overlooked. Um, he, his critics and detractors at the time often like to uh, make the point that he was kind of boring and unimaginative, um, those that sort of um, attacked him personally would say that you know he couldn't um, really uh, focus on um, and articulate himself very well, and that he was a, as a military man a very linear thinker. But there were many many supporters of his that said that he actually had a very commanding presence, very electrifying guy, um, and obviously the truth is always somewhere in in, in the middle. Um, what I want to talk about tonight is about how during the um, election campaign um, in 1952, uh, Eisenhower pledged to deal with the, the, the problem of, of Korea. Much as uh, Nixon, um, who was Eisenhower's vice president, Nixon later on um, would... Uh, promise to extricate Americans from Vietnam, uh, Eisenhower made a, a key policy pledge doing something um, uh, uh, about Korea. So let's begin by looking at uh, James Patterson on this subject. And he, he writes, in Detroit, this is obviously on the campaign trail, on October, 19, 20, uh, October the 24th, 
um, he returned to the problem of Korea, uh, where a new communist offensive was underway. Eisenhower proclaimed that the first task of a new administration would be to bring the Korean War to an early and honourable end. Uh, once again, Nick Nixon would later echo that language of our peace with honour. Uh, that task, he added, requires a personal trip to Korea. I shall make that trip. I shall go to Korea. His pronouncement was a shot in the dark, for he did not know what he would do once he got there. Would he escalate the war or use nuclear weapons? But everyone seemed to agree that his proclamation was a masterstroke. Eisenhower, after all, was a war hero and a five-star general. If anyone could end the awful stalemate, it was Ike. The results of the election surprised few analysts. Uh, Adlai Stevenson took um, nine southern and border states, and thanks in part to a much decreased turnout, got 3.14 uh, million more votes in a losing cause than Truman had received while winning in 1948. So uh, Eisenhower um, captures eventually 33.9 million votes, which is 54, uh, 55.4% of the total, uh, beating Adlai Stevenson. 27 to um, uh, with kind of a uh, a margin of about six or seven million votes, the sort of kind of margins we see at the moment with Biden Trump, um, and so it was a, a significant victory. But it was the electoral college victory where he won 442 electoral college votes to 89 um, that um, swept the board for uh, for Eisenhower. And the first thing he did um, after, um, uh, well, one of the first things he did anyway, after winning the election, is that he went to Korea, um, returning, convinced that the war had to be ended. And he managed to um, exploit the uh, fatigue of the enemy to sign a ceasefire on July the 27th. Um, and so... The uh, the ceasefire was uh, was was possible um, for Eisenhower in much the same way that uh, Nixon's visit to Mao in 1972 was possible. A Democrat would have been in dire um, dire electoral trouble for signing a ceasefire in a war against the communists because the the kind of the libel of um, uh, communist sympathies of um, uh, kind of weakness against communism, which had been so successfully made in about 1946, when uh, during the, uh, the the midterms, uh, the Republicans uh, retake the House and the Senate. Um, at that point, um, they were they they were they recognised that anti-communism was a powerful, powerful tool for beating the Democrats with. They were, there wasn't much of a meaningful economic offer that the Republicans could make. The, the New Deal had been, for many Americans, too successful. Um, the uh, neoliberal arguments, or what would later be known as neoliberalism, the kind of far-right, uh, economically far-right, monetarist arguments of limited state, rugged individualism and all that, those don't wash after you've had an entire generation go through the, J the Great Depression. Um, they might uh, be uh, attractive to the kinds of moneyed people that might have supported the Republicans anyway. But for most Americans 
who had uh, gone through the ordeal of the Great Depression, um, uh, the uh, measures, the, the kind of the social democratic New Deal um, that was uh, pr proposed, that was created by Roosevelt and continued by Truman, just makes sense. So instead, you have to go down the language of um, uh, red baiting of kind of what we would call a um, uh, sort of a, a, um, a moral panic, a crisis, a culture war, all these languages we, we now use today. Um, so, uh, James Patterson writes, In securing the ceasefire, Eisenhower did not win major concessions from the enemy. Had the Truman administration tried to sell a similar result, it would have been attacked by the right. Nor did the agreement end all bloodshed. Border incidents killed many people over the subsequent decades that American troops remained there. But Eisenhower, a general and a Republican, escaped popular vilification. The ceasefire agreement, indeed, was probably the most important single accomplishment of his eight-year presidency, and the one he most cherished later. Giving a big boost to Eisenhower's prestige early in his presidency, it also eliminated, eliminated the most acrimonious political issue of the era. A year and more of peace by late 1954 even calmed some of the passions of the Red Scare. By 1955, Americans were already trying to put the war out of mind and to concentrate on the enjoyment of the good life at home. And of course, the 1950s is a period of rapid economic growth, of the rapid growth in living standards, um, of um, incomes, of leisure time, of consumer goods and disposable income uh, for many Americans. Not for all, but for many Americans. Um, and as a result, and this is you know seen in many countries during the 1950s and 60s, uh, when there's the opportunity to enjoy uh, growing material living standards, the, um, uh, there is comparatively little interest in overseas conflicts. Um, the decline in um, uh, anxieties uh, around um, uh, communism, around uh, the, the, the McCarthyite um, era of witch hunts, that doesn't happen right away. That's gradual. It takes a while. Um, in 1953 and 1954, um, the uh, ability of people like McCarthy to continue to create immense um, publicity for themselves, um, immense misery for their victims, and uh, to uh, create uh, huge divisions in American society, social and generational divisions, um, around the question of communism, national security, uh, sedition, subversion, and espionage. Um, Patterson writes, no president, no president could easily have managed these controversies, and Eisenhower, who tried to avoid most of them, was no exception. A persistent political reality intensified these controversies in 1953-54, the aggressiveness and the fury of the anti-communist right. In the aftermath of the heady GOP uh, triumph in 1952, these emotions may have been stronger and the left weaker than at any time in the modern history of the United States. One scholarly overview of these years concludes, on the coldest, darkest and most reactionary days 
of the Ronald Reagan ascendancy in the 1980s, there was more radical belief in activity to be seen in the United States than was present at any time in the 1950s. So that, that's a really, really interesting point. The fact that um, from 1952 onwards, the, 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 the Republicans had so powerfully captured um, the, 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 the uh, various branches of government um, and the, uh, the, the White House, the House and the Senate, meant that um, there was um, a, a left in retreat. This perhaps gives us an explanation as to why it is that uh, the uh, 1950s are seen as this, this era of uh, kind of abundance but authoritarianism, uh, this period uh, of... Um, growing um, material circumstances for many people, and yet a kind of a stultifying uh, culture, not only just based around um, uh, kind of the, the extremes of McCarthyism, but also a return to uh, kind of oppress the the, uh, the oppressive imposition of uh, of family values. I think there's something really interesting to be said as well about the left during the 1980s, as, as was referred to then. Um, if you look at America during the 1980s, there's a, a really rich subculture of dissent from kind of um, music and uh, co college uh, campus politics to, to stand-up comedy and um, uh, activism, uh, trade union activism and civil rights activism uh, that really gets kind of ignored and I really want to explore some of that. Um, there's some interesting books on that that will be wending their way to me. Um, there is, there was obviously kind of the, the beat culture of, of the 1950s which maybe too much has been made of that much as too much is made of the uh, the hippie counterculture in the 1960s, it's always important to remember that uh, the likes of Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg are not read by large numbers of people actually uh, at, at the time, or you know, large numbers of people are not going to Greenwich Village to listen to Ginsberg um, read poetry. Um, these are kind of uh, people operating in very sort of small bohemian subcultures, and it's in subsequent decades that they are read by mass audiences. Um, and Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And um, James Patterson writes, Historians, to be sure, have subsequently dug about in the byways of American culture and exposed signs of rebellion and dissatisfaction with the conservative values of the early Eisenhower years. Some young people, most uh, mostly in university circles, identify with Holden Caulfield, the restless anti-hero of J.D. Salinger's novel The Catcher in the Rye. Mad Magazine, a zany and highly irreverent publication, began its commercially very successful career um, uh, in 1952. 
I.F. Stone established his iconoclastic and liberal um, weekly in 1953, Irving Howe started Dissent, an organ of left-centre opinion in 1954. Marlon Brando, and by 1954 James Dean, stood forth as models of the anti-establishment behaviour in film. But these scattered manifestations of unease and discontent did not matter much in political circles. Readers of Dissent, for instance, admitted that they remained a tiny band of exiles throughout the 1950s, Circulation for the magazine approximated 4,000 at the time. So there, there you go. These things have, um, uh, these things have uh, normally fairly limited circulation, unfortunately. And of course, many of these publications were in direct competition with far more powerful and successful conservative voices, such as William F. Buckley, um, the um, founder of the uh, the National Review, um, the kind of conservative uh, anti-communist um, uh, periodical, and there were there was there was a general view among many on the left during the Eisenhower years that most Americans believed in a kind of a general consensus that uh, perhaps they didn't um, uh, necessarily embrace um, ex you know the, the extreme economic radicalism that would later come uh, during the, the, 19, uh, the 1980s under, under Reagan. But in terms of uh, a robust anti-communism, a defence against communism at, at home and overseas, and a, a kind of an embrace of social conservatism, um, not that really conservative values were necessarily challenged, particularly uh, in the 1950s, um, uh, particularly in uh, questions of kind of uh, lifestyle and gender and um, uh, the uh, rights of uh, African Americans, um, the whilst there was a civil rights movement um, developing in the 1950s, it's really the 1960s that sees the huge challenges uh, to uh, the the various official and unofficial systems of uh, racial oppression in America. And as obviously it's in, it's in that, that decade that Martin Luther King uh, and Malcolm X uh, and Fred Hampton and other members of the uh, civil rights and black power movements are gunned down. But of course the, the Democrats, um, hardly uh, bastions of the left, were very much aware that uh, tacking to the left was, was not going to work for them during this period. Uh, and James Patterson writes, Democrats, too, seemed tame and chastened following the 1952 election. In Congress, the dominant group centred around two moderate Texans, Democratic House leader Sam Rayburn and Senator Lyndon Johnson, who became majority leader between 1955 and 60. Amongst intellectual circles, a few Democratic liberals, including economist J.K. K. K. Uh, Galbraith, um, championed progressive domestic causes within the newly formed Democratic Advisory Council, a pressure group. DAC policy proposals helped to establish a liberal Democratic domestic agenda for the 1960s, but did not attract great attention before then. Other liberals, including Senator Hubert Humphrey of Minnesota, covered their flanks against conservative attack by championing tough legislation to fight communism. In 1954, Congress overwhelmingly approved Humphrey's Communist Control Act, 
which defined the Communist Party as a clear and present and continuing danger to the security of the United States and deprived the party of all rights, privileges, immunities and immunities attendant upon legal bodies. So the Democrat Party, and this had happened under Truman as well, Truman was perfectly able to see which way the anti-communist wind was blowing and to set his sail uh, to the wind. Hubert Humphrey did exactly the same thing and essentially makes the, the Communist Party a de facto illegal organisation, taking away its rights, privileges and immunities attendant upon legal bodies. Um, the uh, Patterson writes, as Humphrey's stance made clear, anti-communist fervour seemed politically irresistible in those years. One manifestation of this fervour was the fate of Julius and, and his wife Ethel, Julius Rosenberg and his wife Ethel. Accused of being part of the ring, including Klaus Fuchs, uh, that passed atomic secrets to the Soviets in the 1940s, they had been convicted in March 1951 of conspiracy to commit espionage, at which time Judge Irving Kaufman sentenced them to death. Their, tri- their, um, their, their crime, Kaufman declaimed from the bench, was worse than murder. Critics of the judgment maintained that Kaufman, the Justice Department and the FBI had been guilty of misconduct during the trial. Other critics asserted correctly that the punishment was severe. Fuchs, uh, a much more important figure than the Rosenbergs, was sentenced to 14 years imprisonment in in England. But campaigns on behalf of the Rosenbergs, who were communists, failed utterly in the Red Scare during the 1950s. As the date of their execution approached, counter-demonstrators appeared outside the White House. One held a sign, Fryum. Well done. Another had a placard. Let's uh, let's don't electrocute them. Hang them. So that gives you an indication of the kind of the uh, the political temperature as Democrats and Republicans saw it. It was the Republican Party that was making the political weather, and as often happens in the the kind of the centre left. Um, if you can kind of call it that, in Britain and America, uh, well, well, America in this case, but also in Great Britain, it's the centre-left that tends to follow the political weather created by the right. And in doing so, instead of opposing the right, what they invariably do is actually bring legitimacy to increasingly right-wing policies and ideas. Um, of course, the, the Rosenbergs um, were, were executed um, on June 19th, 1953, um, and just before the ceasefire in Korea. Um, Eisenhower would, was not interested in establishing himself as being in any way weak on communism and establishes the kind of the anti-communist credentials of the administration. In April, Eisenhower uh, published, uh, issued Executive Order Number 10450, which replaced the loyalty decrees that were created by Truman. Truman created loyalty boards where um, the where, where civil servants were, were forced really to uh, show that they were loyal to the state and and to to prove it. The new system was broader than Truman's, including not only loyalty and security as criteria for dismissal, but also suitability, a vague and open-ended category. 
the order widened the power of Samarita's missile, and then available uh, until then available only to the heads of sensitive departments such as the State of Defense, by giving it to chiefs of all federal departments and agencies. The Eisenhower administration also continued ongoing anti-communist efforts, including the purging of, foreign of the Foreign Service, prosecutions of communists under the Smith Act, deportation of communist aliens, and exclusion of alleged subversives seeking entrance to the United States. The president supported efforts to legalize the use of wiretaps in national security cases and gave a free hand to the FBI's continuing harassment of left-wingers. In 1956, the FBI established COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence program whose primary target was the Communist Party. COINTELPRO later, during the 1960s, would target the civil rights movement, uh, the counterculture, the Students for a Democratic Society, the Black Panther movement, um, the, well, the Black Power movement, the Black Panther Party, uh, and a number of other uh, radical social democratic causes. So what we see in the Eisenhower era is the torch of not just anti-communism, but a kind of um, creeping authoritarianism in um, li supposedly liberal democratic garb um, that had been incubated under Truman and that grew um, steadily um, throughout uh, the Eisenhower era um, and would be, um, uh, would be a, a significant part of the, uh, the repression of social movements during the 1960s. Um, when, um, uh, particularly in the late 1960s, when, when Nixon comes to power, Nixon decides that part of his mission is to wage all-out war on uh, social groups that he views as enemies. Um, and he, he had many of the tools that his uh, presidential running mate, uh, his presidential partner, Eisenhower, had helped create for him. So, uh, what what can we learn from this? Well, the it is it's entirely possible that you you could argue that um, American democracy or American uh, liberalism uh, and the the kind of uh, conventions of uh, American civil society and um, the limitations of government and all the, all these things that are kind of and the Constitution itself was placed in, under intense pressure, uh, firstly during the Second World War, um, and where it was um, things like that, the House and American Activities Committee um, uh, emerged just before the war in the late 1930s to uh, keep an eye on Taiwan fascists. And then uh, during and after the war, and the, under the conditions of the Cold War, it becomes difficult for a pluralistic liberal democratic society uh, to 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 function when you're in this state of kind of perma conflict, which is why later on under the uh, the misrule of Bush uh, Bush Junior, um, things like a permanent war on terror seem so helpful and useful and attractive. Anyway, on that note, I'll leave you there. 
and um, I will catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Do check us out at the Explaining History Facebook group. Um, there's a little, a few new uh, things I've put on the explain on the blog at explaininghistory.org, uh, and um, come and uh, say hi um, if you can. And do remember that uh, we survive on a little trickle of ad revenue here. And uh, so if you can sponsor us on Patreon, that's always gratefully received. And you can find a link on the website. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.